Hey everyone, welcome to the SaaS Ramp Podcast. A great, great special guest today on with us, Sarika Garg, co-founder and CEO of Cashflow. That's Cashflow spelled C-A-C-H-E-F-L-O-W. So it's a great play on words for developer tooling. Welcome to the show, Sarika. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. Thank you for having me. So I reached out to you because as co-founder and CEO of Cashflow, I'd kind of noticed some of the things that you guys have recently done over the last year. Unbelievable number of things that I know we'll unpack throughout the course of the show. But when you've gotten the seed funding and the, the product built and got your live customers, referenceable customers and and everything went GA, I was like, oh, she's just blowing up. Everything's going going so, so well. But on the show, we often like to start with kind of like the the personal piece, like where you came from, how, what college courses did you take in order to become a CEO <laughs> co-founder? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the personal journey is always important and it what, so what makes us who we are. My personal journey actually goes and starts even before college and starts when I was two years old, when my parents decided to immigrate from India to Africa. So I grew up in very remote places in Africa, places you've probably never heard of, like a place called Morogoro and Mwanza in Tanzania, Ndola in Zambia. And this was, these are remote places and being a very, very curious kid, I started thinking of how do you actually, from a remote place, get your voice out to, to, to the, uh, to the whole world. And when I went to college, I decided that I wanted to study technology and came to the U.S. And the first job I actually started with was at, at a company called SAP, which is the ERP software, the German ERP software company. And I actually saw things at scale there, right? And and that opened my eye to what technology could do for the biggest companies of the world. And it really made me realize that it was because of technology that companies like Procter & Gamble, you know, Johnson & Johnson, Nike, Caterpillar, all, of, all the companies that we all know the brand names of became as big as they were because they put technology and software and systems in place. And it really made me a believer that we need to use we, we, technology, sort of the gateway for us to create impact in the world and reach and, and really help people all across the world. Right. That's so interesting. So, so like you kind of just, you kind of gave the full, the full 360 there from a very, very small place and being very, very young and trying to reach out, like what would a medium look like so that you can move from a place like Tanzania into the greater globe and then all the way to SAP, which is just, I have friends and family there, like a few friends, a few family, and they're just, it's like its own world. 150,000 employees, like amazing. It's right. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, at SAP, I learned what it was to live in a company that was creating this sort of massive impact for other companies. And, and you know, I, I did many things over there, worked closely with very, you know, important projects that happened. But I think what made me sort of want to become an entrepreneur was the years after. And, and so there I was one of 150 people, 150,000 people. And I really wanted to be, you know, how could I be not just a number, more, a more, have more impact, right? The question I kept asking myself is, how do I have more? And it led me to change my jobs, move into a company called Ariba, which was procured to pay order to cash platform. And there I worked with much more smaller companies. So mid-market, small, you know, one or two people company. 
to large companies. There were a million buyers of sellers on Ariba network and I was responsible for them. And that made me realize that, hey, you could really impact not only large companies, but you could actually help these small companies become big by helping them with tooling and, and, and technology, right? So Ariba was my next stop. And, and after that, I joined a startup. And, and you, you see the trend, me going from a 150,000 people company to a less than 100 people company and saying, can I help this company grow bigger? And again, take their product out to the world and did that for, for five years, built the company from hundred to thousand, wore many hats, built multiple products from scratch to taking them to market and, and decided that, that this is what I wanted to pretty much dedicate my professional career to building software. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, this, this, that contrast from going small, having to do it all and then moving to large and seeing it done like, like 10 people for every micro job, a hundred people for every micro job, maybe, and then back and forth. That's an interesting contract, contrast that flip the, the one place and then the other. You mentioned a term that's very popular, but like being an enablement, I love to take things and like, okay, can we define that? And can we, can we break it into some pieces that are a little more digestible? You mentioned moving into SAP and then becoming an intrapreneur, meaning like you're almost running your own business within SAP. Or maybe you could just kind of explain that to us a little bit and, and why that might've been your first step. Yeah, I think throughout my career, I, I kept looking for places where we were starting new products, right? Like from scratch. So at SAP, we built out some supply chain products and, and I was like the first product manager building out the solutions, working closely with customers. When I moved over to TradeShift, I did the same in a GM role. We had, you know, we had a full team that ran from engineering to go to market, to sales, to marketing. And, and we did the same thing, taking the product to market. It was all very different context, but the, the, the idea was creating something out of nothing and then helping it to get out there to many, many people. Okay. Okay. So the zero to one motion within SAP and then within TradeShift, which was that smaller company that you said had kind of like 10 X its growth in the time frame that you spent yeah. there. Okay. So that's where the continuity comes from, because like if people hear huge and small and huge and small, but there was a continuity and kind of like building something from scratch or a new product, I suppose. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So one more piece about this, because you're just so interesting in that all the things that you guys have done so recently with a, with a brand new, you know, software development company. And that is how did you decide you had an idea that was good enough? And that you were able to come and, you know, you were ready to make the launch into executing upon a new idea. I mean, it's very common to do where you live. You're in Palo Alto, as I understand, or, or Silicon Valley at large. Yeah. But like, when is that when you say, hey, I'm a W-2 and, an employee and I'm going to want to make this transition yeah. over? So, you know, when I, I worked and was an operator for 20 years, building and taking products to market it. And one of the things that I saw was a huge shift that was happening in the market. And, and that shift was, we were no longer just buying, companies were no longer just buying an ERP system or a CRM system. Every single department in every company was buying more and more software. So people like you and me who are not professional buyers of software, but were buying software and we wanted it to be easier and we didn't have time. We, we did our research, we just wanted to buy. And what, what we found what I saw was a huge gap. You know, I, 
I come, you know, what you call in the industry order to cash or procure to pay, which is basically the, the transaction of business that happens between two companies. And what I saw was a huge gap between these two companies where these, this buying and selling was happening mostly manually mm-hmm. and, and in, a, in a very rigid way. And, and so my co-founder, Brian Zotter, who was an early employee at Salesforce, where he built out the Salesforce platform as right. VP of engineering, he had done a number of startups and him and I joined forces and we said, what is that product that sits between sales and the buyer? The, the seller and the buyer that can actually automate the, the buying experience. So it really spans, you know, our belief is software is going to change the world. Like, like I said, systems change the world in, you know, SAP changed manufacturing forever. Software is now slowly changing every single industry. And we want to enable software to get in the hands of, of people across industries. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that challenge like became apparent, like at the, throughout your journey, you saw the way it was done. You saw this challenge that maybe your team was even having to manually handle day to day. And like, yeah. if it's a, if it's a pain, it's a pain or it's an opportunity. I guess it's one of those kind of things, like depending on like how you look at it. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It, it was, you know, I'm sure you bought a piece of software. I have bought a piece of software and actually the the inspiration we took was from the car buying experience, right? You and I have bought cars and, you know, you have to go to the car dealer and you always feel like, oh my God, this, this dealer is going to rip me off because he's probably smarter and, and you know, has, has more tools. And, and, and it's, it's just this kind of un, uncomfortable process and people delay car buying or they take time or they try to find somebody who can actually go with them. And when Tesla came along, they just put the car buying experience online. So you can actually literally go and buy a Tesla in four minutes by saying, okay, I want this tire, this color. I want auto, you know, drive and check out. And in my checkout, I can lease it. I can pay by cash or, or whatever format that I want. We want to do the same for software across the board, right? It give, give them this sort of experience which they can plug in, right? The, yeah. Yeah. The other analogy, Pete, to, to you know, because I, I love analogies because they make things clear is we used to buy, va- find vacation homes online, like on Craigslist yeah. and, and Airbnb basically put it online and actually enable the whole buying experience of vacation or, or hotels or homes. And, and that's what we're trying to do for software, right? To make it all go online. So it just becomes much, much smoother and easier to buy. Okay. Okay. And so, yeah. So, okay. So there's, it completely makes sense. It's, it's just, it's a one more niche place, like one more, not even niche, like that happens all day, every day. It's actually a massive gap, but it's one more thing where you look at like software and say, fantastic. So like, this is, this is something that can be mechanized and made better for humans. So let's do that. Then what do you do? Like it's, it's so many of these inaugural steps that later you'll be like, or now kind of, you're getting to that point and talk about it later, like that you're just continuing to ramp and scale some of the pieces that you built. But when you're going from concepts to, to actualization, this is a lot of steps in between, I know, but Maybe would you just unpack the last year at Cashflow at Cashflow for us, like some of the, the the challenges and successes that you've had, so we can even understand how these things successful companies get their start like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the you know the challenge we we went in with a hypothesis saying 
software buying needs to be just easier because we've experienced it ourselves and software selling needs to be easier because we know like we've sold software and it's just really difficult for the salesperson and the RevOps person. And, and when we went and talked to customers, we found that it was actually worse than we thought. And mm. there are a few companies who have built out checkout experiences themselves, like actually Postmates has or a Postman has. But most companies don't have the R&D to be able to build this themselves. So you have teams at the back who are trying to connect systems, do this themselves. You have salespeople try to create templates to, to make this real. You have finance people who are trying to build things manually. And, and we, we actually realized that it was, it was really an automation problem. It was a payments problem that needed to be solved. And it actually ran, ran from sales. It connected sales with finance team. Mm. Right. So we, we went and saying it's a buying problem and we realized it's actually a selling and a, a, a payments problem too. Right. That needs to be solved. So, so that was in, a, you know, we, we went in, you know, the two of us, Brian and I, and we built out an engineering team and zero sales, zero marketing. And we had inbound interest where people were feeling the pain because more and more SaaS or software is becoming about remove friction, sales velocity, right? Remove sales, get sales velocity, do it with the least amount of effort, yeah. build, build renewals, right? Like it's not about just build a relationship with your customer. So it's not about just selling once, but actually growing that customer over time. And you right. really need a system to actually scale you up into that, right? So you can't really, you know, DocuSign can only take you so far, right? Because it's really in the end, just a Word document that you're getting a signature on. It's not an online system that you have. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned about my organization, Postman, and and it's true. With there's there's a, a self service or a, a free a free tier and yeah. two self service tiers, and only one that's at the one that's at the enterprise level. After there is you know heavily adopted usage within a company that is sales led or sales served, and that's because there's going to be a consultative piece that comes along with it, but of the four levels, it's only one that is actually with a human to human interaction, you know, yeah. commonly known as product led growth. And, and from that 20 million developers have been able to leverage the product. And I think it's just because it's, it works for one, but there's a lot of things that work, but it's, it's seamless. Like you, your experience, your yeah. user experience is going in and being able to quickly download, whether it was a long time ago in just a Chrome extension or, or being able to, you know, get what you need when you need it and self-service, um, it's, it's kind of what yeah. we've become accustomed to. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, Pete, I hear every day from buyers of software saying, I really don't want to talk to a salesperson. I've done my research. I know what I want. I wish they would just get out of the way and just let me buy how I want to buy. I'm ready to give money. Like, like don't create blocks for me. You know, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, that's, that's in every industry and not just software, but in software, there's something we could probably do about it. My wife told me on her way out that there was going to be a, like, like a, a worker coming by the home. It's a new home. We're in, we're in a new place. We moved to South Carolina. And I said, great, have them work. I'll be, I'll be doing something else at the time. And they're like, well, they need to talk to you about all these things. I'm like, you already talked to them, right? Like, but they need to talk to you too. I'm like, mm, not my world. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, yeah, okay. I'll have the check ready for you, but please come on so we can both get down to doing yeah. business. So that's. That's a yeah. close. You know, the, the friction of selling and paying is a worldwide problem that goes across industry. So funny story, you're, you're saying that, but we had, we were talking to a videographer to do some customer testimonials 
And and he asked, so what do you do? And we said, you know, we, we help you do a quote and, you know, get paid. And he's like, can I use your system? Because it's so painful for me. And we're like, huh, maybe. <laughs> Perfect. It is, it is. So like you truly touched on like a ubiquitous problem. I'll tell you the truth. Like on my resume, I, I put in a span of this time, I was able to purchase this many softwares. And I would have never put that before as a seller because I was an enterprise seller, but now like as a buyer, it's the same process, just in reverse. You have to work hard to get the facts you need, roll them internally, like make sure the payment pieces get connected over time. So it, it, it's definitely a, definitely a problem. You mentioned something though, you had inbound interest. Like how is it that there's inbound interest? Like that's a massive challenge, but how do they know to even touch base with you or that you're building a product like that? Cause you're building an engineering team. You're not building like a marketing team yet. So how do they know to come yeah. to you and even, and even like request? You, you know, just posts on LinkedIn or Twitter and they find you. When people have a problem, they find you. Yeah. And, and that's what we found is we've just actually just hired our first head of sales or head of revenue. And, and so we're building out our sort of marketing machine, but all the interest we've got, all the deals we've closed have been inbound, which has been very interesting. So, so yeah, people find you when they have a problem. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. Okay. So another, another major, major check mark there. Okay. And then, and then the, you're, you're building a, a go-to-market function. It sounds like we have a lot of go-to-market leaders on this podcast and yeah. where will you start? I ask because at Postman, we started with customer success based on the number of free and self-serve customers that we had, these customers at various levels. And so we were already trying to make these customers successful customers before we were actually trying to add the next tier and sell anything at the enterprise level. And so where I sat with an enablement initially, this only recently changed was in customer success. So the go-to-market team that you're building, yeah. do you have an insight as to kind of how you guys will build that one out? Absolutely. So, you know, uh, I'm a go-to-market fanatic. I think products succeed because you get the go-to-market right. And we have a three-prong approach to the go-to-market. One of them is the customers that are coming in, get out of their way, let them come in. So we are actually building out an ability right now, you know, in half an hour demo, you can get a demo in half an hour and then you can buy our product. We're building out what you built at Postman way for people to self-serve and, and start using it. Our product is just requires a tiny little bit of configuration to attach your DocuSign. Then we have, we believe this problem is, is actually quite painful for enterprises. So any enterprise that's selling, you know, high velocity deals, right? Any deal that's 60K or under is, is high velocity. They really want to make this a much better process and they feel the pain significantly. We can help them offer monthly payments to their customers or deferred payments and and just make it a much better process. So, so we actually have an enterprise motion that we are starting, which is basically a, a deeper motion where we, we have a person involved. And then I actually, you know, you mentioned scale is kind of what you're focusing on on this podcast. We're thinking of scale already and how we're going to get ready for next year and the year after. And, and the, the main way we're doing that is by figuring out what are the hubs where people who care about this problem live at? Like, where are they? And can we start building those relationships? And this comes from my experience. Uh, you know, I, I, I worked in, at building a virtual card product for employee spend, you know, just like Ramp and Divi, we, we actually built it out with Amex at TradeShift. And our go-to-market motion was 
sell with Annex. And so it took us, it took us some time to build that relationship and the product together with Annex. But in terms of our go-to-market, we were, we were a startup at TradeShift. You know, we had a few salespeople on this, but Annex actually was able to put a thousand salespeople of theirs on it. And we were able to, once a tap started working, it just worked. And, and we just started getting sales all across the U.S. with, with the American Express Salesforce referring us and actually selling our product. So I'm, we are already thinking about what are those hubs for cash flow, where RevOps team live or sales teams live, and, and how can we actually be there when the need arises for them? So that, that we think is super important to get right as well. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's, that's a great plan. Co-selling, be, being attached to a, to a leader moving forward like that. And you've experienced it before, which is, which is great. It's not a, it's not a net new thing. We call that partnerships or alliances, or we have a, a certain kind of name for that within the motion. I think it's, it's probably called the partnerships. You know, I call them hubs. <laughs> yeah. That's to me, they're, they're, they, you know, they're basically hubs where you can get to thousands of people very quickly with, with less effort. But yes, the, these are partnerships there. They usually take some time to build because you're either, either co-building a product or co-selling together. And that takes some time. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah a great motion there. I know early stages, but, but it, it, it's kind of like the vision is there. So yeah. maybe, maybe a step back. So you, you've had a wonderful year, like, like four great quarters in a row, so many milestones. And then Looking ahead, you mentioned already like looking at next year's planning. What are two or three challenges that you think you're fa- you'll face that probably are common for every everybody trying to take that next step might face? You know, it, it always comes down to getting getting things right in terms of people, right? Every person we hire is super, super important, but establishing the foundational layer of who you are as a company, what you care about, the cult- what you call the culture is super important. So I worry a lot about that. And I, you know, both Brian and I spend a lot of time thinking about and defining how can we create an environment where when we hire the best people, they can come in and be successful. They can bring the best uh, to cash flow. And, you know, maybe maybe a story to talk about that. You know, I, I worked at SAP very closely with Bill McDermott, who's, who's now the CEO of ServiceNow. And he was a phenomenal or is a phenomenal people person. And the story that really sort of stuck with me and then sort of made me always think about this is he values people at, at all levels, right? Not just his exact team, but every single person in the company. And there was a, a, a you know, a shoot, a, like a video shoot that was going on with Bill McDermott and I was there. And, and the guy who was the cameraman, he, he came to me and he said, oh my God, Bill is fantastic. And I said, okay, so why do you say that? And he said, well, you know, Bill remembered that the last time I met him, my wife was sick. And so he asked me how she was doing. And so it was just sort of this value of really understand that every person is a human and they have a story and they have a life and, and you know, you, you want to show that you care. Is, is really important. It's, it's making people feel seen. And if we can succeed in doing that at cash flow at a, at, a, at a cultural level, I don't think we'll have problems scaling next year or the year after or the year after. Yeah. Right. So we, we spend a lot of time thinking about that. Yeah. It's a great thing to think about, especially at the size and trying to think about like, how do we, once we 10x the size and then, you know, and, and much, much more, like how do we keep that core connectedness and the culture piece? 
it may not be time for you, but at, at this juncture at Postman, what a piece of what my team does, the enablement team and sitting within the go-to-market teams is new hire ramp. And one of the main challenges that was asked to be overcome is, hey, we, we, we have moved from 250 employees to 650 employees in, I guess it was about an eight, 18 month time period. And with that growth, we would like to keep this particular culture, but we also need to uplevel them within skills and get them to their job done. There's this triangulation that's happening of like general skills, but a people like a, a culture set and, and all within the context of like practical outcomes, being able to move from what we call day one to job done. Yep. Is there anything at like a micro level y'all have even thought about so far? Like, Hey, when a person comes in, they are remote or maybe they can come visit us at the headquarters or is there anything at that level or yep. is it still at the point where you're like, Hey, it's, it's, it's such a tight knit community. Just come hang with me for a little bit. We'll, we'll do this all together. Is it very one-to-one still? I think there's, there's a lot of one-to-one, but even, even where we are, it's important to establish this, this culture of being able to come in and be able to, what did you call it? Going, get going or a job done. Yeah. Job done. Possible, right? Yeah. And I, I think it's a lot about, so, you know, I think it's a, it's bringing the person on and giving them context of what you're doing and why you're doing it, why it's important, and then matching the skills with the jobs to be done. At the point we are, you know, everybody wears multiple hats, but as we scale, the the job becomes much more, you know, specialized, you know, your job becomes much more specialized and, and we will build out the competencies around that. What we do right now is we, we try to get the entire company together, we're a fully remote company, yeah. uh, which actually has, which is really, we're doing things very intentionally. We try to think, write things down so that a new person, when they come in, they can find it. We try to do a lot of videos so we're not spending too much time uh, on, you know, on the phone. So we can actually have some sort of lines of communication that are much more visual as well. And, and, and lastly, we actually bring the team together, uh, the entire company together twice a year. And the entire, you know, a, a subset of team, like the go-to-market product team every quarter. And the goal is, again, align. Let's come together. Let's align. Let's, be, let's know what we're doing. Let's figure out where the gaps are and then let's go execute, right? So we kind of have this sort of rhythm that's going on with the company. Okay. And so you, you just mentioned like the uh, communication structure. You talked about how you like to hire. You talked about trying to get context to people as quickly as possible. Measuring outcomes or just starting to talk about what results we're trying to drive. I mean, a, as far as you can at this point, you know, as everybody's wearing so many hats and then getting together in person to maybe even write on whiteboards like what's behind you you know there's something still special about it like you know all the technology in the world, but sometimes the the brain has to touch the pen and the paper that's me maybe anyway love a whiteboard right so i i love whiteboarding too and i i miss that you know and so remote culture has its advantages and disadvantages but we try to sort of balance that as as best as we can we also use you know the salesforce to be to mom to keep us very aligned which is you know what mark benioff came across where you have vision values and and then methods of how to achieve them and and so we definitely agree that we have to be very very clear with what's the goal of the company but why are we here personally to help with that goal of the company and then how are we going to achieve that goal Right. That's a great, that's a great framework. I'm very familiar with it. I was in a Salesforce ecosystem company. I was coming to visit you, you know, in a, at Dreamforce 
once a year. And then yeah. of course, all the quarterly events for a time period in my life at great model. We had, we had integrated it at that company as well. So very cool. Good thing to start with. As usual, we have so many like interesting insights and like rabbit holes to dive down. So of course we went well past the time I, I asked for, but maybe as a, a parting shot, I'm not sure if you thought of anything, if any one thing in particular that you might tell somebody else in your spot, or maybe even like one year behind you, hoping to be a co-founder and a CEO at a, you know, a world-changing software company, anything like a, a parting gift to offer? I think this is something that I would say because I've seen companies at every level of scale. And one of the things that I've realized is there's that first product that you're going to take to market and be successful with, but you really need to understand what are the other problems that your customer has, right? That you're the customer that you're serving. You may not build that product just yet, but you need to know where you're going and the problems that you're solving for the customer at a much wider scale than just that one problem. So it really is create empathy with that particular user that you're solving the problem for, because once you build a relationship, that's how you can actually grow that relationship and grow that customer by solving the next problem and the next problem. So I think of, you know, product market fit as, as, as almost like a, uh, like a pull and forgetting and, and running out of words, but like, it's, 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 it's options that you have, or, you right. know, like, a, a like, and, and you can actually pick one option to go with, but there are other things that you can be on, right? It's a wide, uh, you should have a wide lens, go focus on, on one thing that you do and then have a wide lens and then go focus on the next thing. Right. You you had mentioned like you thought it was a a, a buyer's problem that and, and then you turned was it I'm getting it right and then you found out it was a seller's problem so that that's probably like maybe the 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 example that you might be speaking of like going in like this is a challenge whose challenge is it and then once you got in there understanding like which side of the line it was actually sitting on right absolutely yes okay yeah. that's wonderful yeah it's it's, it's a great tip. Congratulations again on all the success. It's been so fun to just kind of catch up on LinkedIn and follow it as it's gone through. I know y'all aren't just marketing and posting left and right, but even a week ago, another little update over there as I was kind of following as we were coming into the interview. So that's, that's fantastic. Congrats on the- Thank you, Pete. On, on all the success. Yeah, appreciate you coming on, Sarka. Thanks so much. Thank you.